Well, good morning. Uh, really glad to be here this morning. Thank you for your welcome. And those at Chalmers send their love to you. We're really uh, glad to be in partnership with you in lots of different ways. And uh, we're um, pleased that uh, you contribute to us in, in prayer and we contribute to you in prayer. We were praying for you earlier on this week. Um, we're glad to be uh, with you. Now, this morning, we're going to be doing a little, something a little bit different to what you would normally do. We're going to be looking at Proverbs. And Proverbs begins with this series of great lectures from King Solomon uh, to his son on wisdom, that, that we need to get wise. We need to uh, listen to God's word and become wise. That's how the book works in chapters 1 to 9, these long lectures. But from chapter 10 onwards, you get what you're more familiar with, which are these kind of pithy sayings uh, about a variety of topics. And they're given in this way, one, I think, to just lodge in our brains that they're memorable, we remember them. Um, but also that they're there for us to be read and then meditated on and then uh, memorized uh, so that they can be brought to bear. When we need to make decisions in life, we can make wise uh, choices. And there are loads of different areas that Proverbs touched on. We're just choosing one, which is that of friendship. And it's really my hope that by the end of this morning, this will be practical, it will be personally applied. Uh, and uh, to that end, you'll see just on the handout, there's some space for you to make notes and the little box at the bottom of the handout, just a question. Sometimes when we look at these things, there'll be questions that rise in our minds. Feel free to write something down and talk about it afterwards. And just at the bottom of that box, something to take away um, with us. Let me pray as we uh, come to look at this together. Lord God, our Father, we thank you for the gift of your word to us. And we pray that as we look at uh, these verses from Proverbs, uh, we would do as the book intends. We would become wise. We would learn how to make good decisions uh, in, these, in this area of life. And we ask that for ourselves, for our goods, but also for your glory's sake. In Jesus' name, amen. If you cast your minds back to uh, the late 90s, early 2000s, uh, what's the biggest show on TV? Well, it involves characters called Rachel and Phoebe, Monica, Ross, Chandler, and Joey. It's Friends. It's, if you're not sure what that is, uh, it's set in New York around this coffee shop and the apartments of these 20-somethings. And it's a show, really, that has shaped somewhat today's 30 and 40-somethings in America and, I think, in the UK. So if you can remember that era, uh, women started to get their hair done like Rachel, and men started to speak like Chanda and eat like Joey. And as evidence throughout Edinburgh, coffee shops became the place to meet. It's hard to think of a show, actually, that's more influential over the last 30 years. And it's a show not about solving crime or work or even about family. Of course, as the title suggests, it's about friendship. And it taught a generation what friendship is all about and moved, I think, the cultural mindset to say that, well, it's not family but friendship that can be the most fulfilling of all human relationships. I'll be there for you was the theme of the song. No matter what happened, friendship would endure. And it, and it did in the show over 10 seasons through marriages and divorces and job changes house moves, and even the more serious aspects of betrayal and lies and cheating. 
And my apologies to those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, um, some of you because you're too young and some because you're too old. <laughs> As we're thinking about friendship, though, it's important to recognise that what it means to be a friend has been shaped for, by lots of things in our lives, by our own experiences of friendship, but also by the media and particularly, I think, the lyrics of songs and TV shows. If you think about it, there are loads of them. There's Friends, but before that there was Cheers and the Golden Girls and Happy Days, all the way back. More recently, things like Stranger Things and Gossip Girl and stuff like that. Popular culture's got a lot to say about friendship. And I think it'd be pretty naive to think that we haven't been shaped in some way uh, by that. But have we ever allowed God's words to shape our friendships? See, my guess is that for most of us, we've probably never even thought about it. And no book in the Bible speaks more about friendship than Proverbs. It's one of we've just got a selection of verses uh, which talk about it. There are more uh, in the book. But these 12 verses, they give us three main things that we can learn and get wisdom about in this area. And you see it laid out for you there uh, on the handout. So here's the first one. That's what friends are for. Uh, learn to choose your friends wisely. Proverbs 12, verse 26. The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. So who are your friends? Now some of us, men, men in particular, I think, uh, may not have many friends at least not many close ones. Some of us may be new to the area, we're just getting to know people, uh, meeting lots of new people. Uh, some of us, I think, will be reforming our friendships. So I was saying to someone earlier on that we moved up to Edinburgh just before the first lockdown, and really our friendships, other than those in the church that we're a part of, were really put on hold uh, for quite a long time. We're just starting to get to know people um, who live uh, near us. Some friendships have been put on hold and we need to start them again. And some of us, of course, will have these long-established uh, friendships. Well, this first proverb teaches us this, that one, that we need friends, but two, that the character of the people that we choose to be our friends really matters. Why? Well, it matters because we tend to go the way that our friends go. Friends lead us one way or another. And that's a really clear message from Proverbs. If you, if you look at the first six chapters of the book, that's said again and again and again, that we listen to and follow those that we're close to. And that if we listen to the voices of wicked people, in Proverbs, that word wicked simply means people who ignore God's rule for their lives. If we listen to those voices, then we'll be led astray to their ways. Now, we don't tend to think like that. We think, well, look, I'm a strong person. You know, I have a kind of inner strength and resolve. I can identify when a friend says something that's, that's not right, and I can resist it. I don't have to go the way uh, that they go just because they are. And though that may be true on some occasions, that's not the wisdom of Proverbs. It's not what it says. In fact, it warns repeatedly and strongly about how easily we are led 
by those that we're in close relationship with. So the principle here is this, that a wise person will guard against having their closest friendships with those who are ungodly because they'll be led astray by them. Now that's not saying that Christians cannot be friends at all with those who do not follow Christ. That's not saying that at all. Jesus, the wisest man who ever lived, befriended all kinds of people so that they might hear about what he's done for them. This isn't advocating for some kind of sort of holy exclusion zone around your life where only the right kind of people get a look in. It's not saying that. This is a principle that we need to listen to. It's wisdom. It's saying, look, be careful about your closest friendships, your closest relationships. Be careful about who, in who you invest your life. And the reason is that we tend to get pulled easily into ungodly lifestyles. We go the way our closest friends go. Therefore, on the other hand, it's also the principle that if we choose to enter into close friendship with godly people, then we'll be prone to walk the path that they go. And the next proverb is just an example of a proverb which says that choosing a godly friend has real benefit uh, for us. Proverbs 18, verse 24. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So this is just a couple of things in that verse. First of all, in choosing friends, it's not the, qual- the quantity, but the quality that counts. And the writer shows us that just by speaking in plural and singular. You see that. Unreliable friends, plural. There is a friend, singular. See, lots of friends who are unreliable are way worse than just having one friend who's absolutely loyal. That's actually the second thing to notice. What's the particular quality to look for in a friend? Well, it's loyalty. The word ruin in the verse means literally to be broken into pieces, a piece of kind of smashed pottery, or, a, or an army that routs when the enemy attacks. Lots of friends are so shallow that when you abandon, when, when you, that they abandon you when you need them most. They leave you feeling broken into pieces. They're not reliable. You can't lean on them. You can't depend on them. And you can't depend on them to love you when things go wrong in your life, but also to love you when you mess up, as you certainly will. And so Proverbs says, look, we look for a better quality friend than that, one who will stick with us and love us in a way that even the brother wouldn't. There's a great scene in The Lord of the Rings, in the film, not the new uh, TV show. And of course, is that, that, that book is about friendship. In the story, Frodo leaves the group at one point, and he doesn't tell anyone he's going, and he goes off to carry his task of destroying the ring, and he wants to do it because he doesn't want to put anyone else in danger. What happens, though, is his best friend, Sam, he catches up to him, and this is what he says. He says, you can trust us to stick to you through thick and thin to the bitter end. And you can trust us to keep any secret of yours closer than you keep it yourself. 
but you cannot trust us to let you face trouble alone and go off without a word. We're your friends. And Tolkien, of course, understood that proverb really well, that, that look for and invest in a friend who is loyal, one who through thick and thin will remain true. A friend like that's worth their weight in gold. That's a particularly godly characteristic, isn't it? Faithfulness. They are faithful just as the Lord is faithful. There when you need them, never leaving you to be broken. They will not abandon you when you mess things up. You can lean on them and they'll say, that's what friends are for. This is just the first point of wisdom for us. Learn to choose your friends wisely. Look for a godly friend for whom loyalty is a high value. Now here's the second. Ain't no friend of mine. Learn not to choose your friends badly. This is the second set of three uh, proverbs uh, there on the sheet. We've got three examples of bad friends that we're to avoid having, and of course to avoid being ourselves as well. We're to avoid fake friends, fickle friends, and foul friends. Avoid the fake, the fickle, and the foul. Proverbs 16, verse 28. A perverse person stirs up conflict, and a gossip separates close friends. So a person who will be one thing to your face, but another behind your back, is not a true friend. They're a fake. The perverse person and the gossip here, well, they distort reality to put others in the worst light. They cause problems in relationships by the tales that they tell, sowing suspicion, promoting hostility. And actually, they enjoy the trouble that they cause. Of course, they do it in such a way that they themselves do not appear to be the cause of the problem. They're just sort of reporting what other people have said or done. But they don't make good friends because they destroy your relationships with others. And so we're to steer clear of people like this. How might you spot them? Well, they're the kind of people who you see being nice to someone's face, but when they're alone with you, they complain about them to you. So they won't challenge someone directly about an issue, but they'll grumble about them to you and to others. It's quite likely that if they're grumbling about others to you, then they're probably grumbling about you to others. That's not the person to invest a close friendship with. They're a fake friend. Proverbs 19, verse 4. Wealth attracts many friends, but even the closest friend of the poor person deserts them. Some people are fickle. They're friends with you when they can benefit from you, but when you no longer have anything to offer them, they disappear. Some will look to be friends for what they can gain, but not for what they can give. When things turn for the worse, they don't hang around. True friends are consistent in all circumstances, not fickle. They'll be with you not only in the palace, but also in the pits. 
And of course, that's where you really need them. How about verse, Proverbs 22, verse 24 to 25? Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. Some people are just foul in character. And here it's anger that's in view, but there are other um, verses which talk about other issues in people's lives. There are some, though, who just lose it in fits of rage over nothing at all. We're warned here, don't be friends with hotheads. But perhaps it's a surprising reason why not. Did you notice that at the end of the verse? It's not because we're likely to get it in the neck, although probably we will at some point. It's because we'll end up becoming like them. We will learn their ways. It's the same principle that we saw to begin with. What does this behaviour get this person? Well, they end up in self-destruction. They, and those who, are, who have other behaviours that are so destructive, they need the gospel. They need someone to tell them how to be saved from such destruction. But we mustn't bind ourselves in intimate friendship or we'll find ourselves in the same place. We'll be ensnared. That's the second point of wisdom. We don't just need to know what to look for in friendship. We need to know what to avoid. And Proverbs says, avoid close friendship with the fake, the fickle, and the foul. Close friendship with these kinds of people, well, it leads to betrayal, and it leads to hurt, and ultimately it leads to disaster. Here's the third uh, point of wisdom on the second side of the sheets. You've got a friend in me. Learn how to be a great friend. If choosing friends is really important, I hope you've seen that that is the case from Proverbs, well then being a good friend is even more so. And of course that's the thing that you can affect the most. So what does it take to be a great friend in God's eyes? Well, here here in these verses, we've got two big ways that we can practically love our friends better. So if you look on the sheet, the third, fourth, and fifth Proverbs uh, in our list here on page two, uh, they have a similar theme. They teach us this, that we're to be a great friend by graciously speaking the truth to them. So the third one down, Proverbs 22, verse 11. One who loves a pure heart and who speaks with grace will have the king for a friend. And the fifth one down, Proverbs 27, verse 9. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. So both about speaking. But to be a good friend, first of all, is to have a pure heart, to be godly. That comes first. But that comes first because then when your friends know that what you, when they, they can know that when you speak kind words, you speak not with flattery, you're not trying to manipulate them, you're not wanting to get something from them. And so kings and other powerful people, they're really used to people saying nice things to them because they want to get something from them. But this friend speaks genuinely with pure motives and with kindness, with grace. They're gracious in their speech. They're not harsh, they're not rude. And when they say things, they say things that are purely for the benefit of their friend and not for their own benefit. Their speech is a gracious gift uh, that they don't expect anything in return. 
As the fifth proverb says, their advice smells like Chanel number five to them because it comes as this free gift of grace from a pure heart, a pure motive. It's a gracious speech. But here we look at the fourth one, in the fourth proverb on page two. Though a great friend's speech is sweet, it's not flowery. Proverbs 27, verse 6. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Uh, this is one of my favorite proverbs. It's got two oxymorons in it. Uh, friendly wounds and wounding kisses. So here's, here's the point. A great friend will not stand by and watch someone they love drift into sin. If you love your friend, you won't be able to stand there and watch sin take hold in their life. You'll challenge them on it. And you'll run the risk of upsetting them. You give them a friendly wound. An enemy, on the other hand, well, they would never challenge someone on their sin because, well, their destruction is ultimately what they want. And so an enemy simply just encourages them along that way, telling them how right they are to do what they're doing. They give them wounding kisses. A real friend's plain speech will wound in the sense that they probably won't like it being said to them. It may hurt them. But they'll do it anyway because they know that it will save them. So it's worth the risk. And it can be trusted because it comes out of a heart of love for their friend. You can trust that wound. In the New Testament, James picks up on this at the end of his letter, James chapter 5, verse 19. He says, My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. See, they wound in order to save. Do you have a friend like that in your life? Because you need one. But more importantly, are you that kind of friend to others who will say the tough things even though it may hurt them because it will save them? That's the first thing about how we can be a great friend. We can graciously speak the truth to others even when it hurts. Now, second thing from these uh, these six verses. The first two proverbs on page on the second half of the page and the last one. So one and two and then number six. <clears throat> well, they teach us this uh, second point and they tell us that we can be a great friend by overcoming adversity with love. Now we saw this at the beginning as well in the first proverb, uh, first and second proverbs, that a great friend sticks closer than a brother. And here it just adds a bit more color to it. Proverbs 17, verse 9. Whoever would foster love covers over an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. So what does a great friend do? Well, they cover over sin. They forgive. So two friends, they're two sinners in close proximity to each other. Friends sin against each other. 
See, I've sinned against all my friends. They've all sinned against me. But a great friend overcomes sin. And they do so by covering over the offence with forgiveness. They don't hold a grudge. They don't nurture that grudge by harping on about it to others. They don't keep a record of wrongs. See, the wisdom here is to be a great friend by never allowing an offence against you to drive a wedge in between you and your friend. You cover it with forgiveness. And more than just overcoming sin, we're to overcome adversity together. And adversity, of course, is the point at which a friend is most often revealed. So Proverbs 17, verse 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Proverbs 27, verse 10, the last one. Do not forsake your friend or a friend of your family. Do not go to your relative's house when disaster strikes. Better a neighbour nearby than a relative far away. Just as fickle friends disappear when the going gets tough, great friends draw even closer, don't they? They don't run away. They stand next to you when the trouble comes. They're there when the exams are failed. They're there when the kids are too much and when things are too much. They're there when work's tough and redundancy is tougher. They're there through court proceedings and divorce proceedings. They're there with you at the bedside and at the graveside. They face trouble with you, and even at times they take trouble for you. There's an old uh, joke told. Two friends were out walking in the forest, and suddenly one yelled, and the other looked up, and they see this huge grizzly bear charging them. And the first guy, he immediately takes off his bag, and he pulls out his trainers, and he starts frantically trying to put them on. And his friend says to him, well, what are you doing? You know, you can't outrun a grizzly bear. And the first friend says, well, look, I don't have to outrun the bear. I just have to outrun you. A great friend says, you run and I'll face the bear. And he does that because he loves his friend more than he loves his own life. Trouble comes He carries the load. Jesus Christ once said this to his disciples in John 15. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. So here's where we end. Proverbs instructs us how to be a great friend but it also points us to the greatest friend we can possibly have see Jesus is more than a friend to us certainly he is more than a friend but he's not less than a friend he's a greater friend than any other so I wondered as as we went through we saw that Jesus is exactly the kind of friend that Proverbs describes. He's wisdom personified. He's not wicked or unreliable. He's not fake or fickle or foul. No, he's faithful. He sticks closer than a brother. 
He's full of grace and truth. His words both wound us and save us. He covers over our sins with forgiveness. He never holds a grudge against us. And he never leaves us. Best of all, he's demonstrated that he loves us more than he loves his own life. He doesn't run from God's wrath against us, but faces it in our place and bears it in all its fierceness. He took the judgment that we've brought on ourselves because of our sins as he laid down his life as our substitute so that we could live. That means that Jesus is the greatest friend that you could ever choose. But there's one more remarkable thing. It's that he chooses you to be his friend. He goes on to say this in John 15. He says, You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Isn't that astonishing? Jesus Christ says to those who trust him, you've got a friend in me. We're chosen by him to be his friends. And then we're commanded by him to be friends as he is to love each other as he has loved us, to lay down our lives for our friends. Now may may we be that kind of friend. Let's pray together. Our Father, as we consider uh, this uh, subject of friendship, we recognize our own sin in this area, that there have been many times when we have failed to be a good friend to others. We confess that there have been times when we have not stuck with people, when we've not spoken the truth to them when we should have done, when we've not forgiven them. So, Father, we confess this to you and we ask for your forgiveness. And we ask, Lord God, that by your Holy Spirit you would change us, that we might become a really good friend to others. Our Father, too, we thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ. And the remarkable privilege it is to be called his friend. Well, it really amazes us that that's the case. And yet it is, because your word tells us so. Help us to treasure and depend on his friendship. In Jesus' name, amen.